Welcome to the Underappreciated Movie Podcast, where four friends discuss movies that they love, but nobody else does. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. This week we're asking for our audience to critique Tony's new haircut, so what do you think? I'm Elaine. Carly, it's not my favorite. I'm John, I like it, it looks great. I'm Tony. I, I like it. <laughs> Each of us has p- picked a specific movie genre. I have horror thriller. I have science fiction fantasy. I have drama and romance. I have action adventure. We take turns selecting from our movie genre, movies that in our opinion have not received the respect they deserve. You won't see any of these films on anyone's top ten list, but maybe by listening to our podcast you can give these films a second chance. Today's pick on I'm, the podcast is Elaine's pick. Um, Crow. Yes, one of the coasters is missing, John. I don't know what happened to it. You can have that. And you can't use the one off my makeup tray because it's covered in makeup. It's for mixing foundation. <laughs> Welcome to the slice of life. And Elaine doesn't know how to, like, not... Here, just take my coaster. I don't really need a coaster. I just want one. Because All right. Anywho, okay, sorry to throw out After coaster 19, talk. 19, coaster talk may be more fun than crow. Coaster talk. This two episodes in a row, we had coaster talk, and they're not recorded on the same day. <laughs> Um, this is Crow from 1983. This is a sci-fi classic. In fact, it is listed on Rotten Tomatoes' 75 best fantasy movies of all time. Mm. What number? It, they, Negative was two. Not oh, numbered. there weren't numbers. Okay. It wasn't numbered. I was really sad. And I was intrigued because it has a thermometer score of 33%, <laughs> but still made the list. So That's the guys who was rated didn't do the list. I don't know. It has an audience score of 51, so maybe they go by audience score. On really? Really? It, at 51, 51 is as high as they got, and they can only come up with 75. I, I just don't think there's don't that many fantasy movies. Like, real fantasy movies. I don't know. It's really yeah, like depends on the what rings. they go. depends <laughs> on what they do by genre, because to me and you, and everybody, fantasy is like swords and sorceries. But some people are like, well, fantasy is like, there was a shark that did a weird trick, you know? <laughs> so they'll throw yeah. it in fantasy genres, yeah. really. It's, it's a very broad and yeah. yet very small genre. <laughs> So if you it, mean straight up fantasy, fantasy, swords and like magic Lord and dragons, the Rings then and I don't know, there would be 75 like, movies. Like <laughs> Legend, Willow. Yeah. The Beastmaster. Nice. Uh, it might That might be coming up. We watched this on YouTube and it auto-started Willow afterwards, which yeah. I have not seen. But Tony was like, cool ass, we're watching this. Maybe, I, maybe I'll try. Maybe I'll sneak it in under Dracula rules. This, <laughs> this also got a forty-five, n- yeah, forty-five Metacritic score on IMDb with an overall six point one out of ten. Um, so this also won the Worst Picture of nineteen eighty-three at the Stinker Awards that the year. Stinker Awards. Yes. Before it, they had the Razzies, it, the Stinkers. Nice. It went up against such films as Cheech and Chong's Still Smoking. Oh God. Mm. Porky's 2, The Next Day. Mm. Two of a kind. No idea what that is. They're and, working on a full house. And finally, The Lonely Lady. Whatever. The Lonely Lady. It had a budget of $47 million, and it made $16,519,460. It was a flop. And, you know, after you're watching for about 10 minutes, you're going to wonder, just like me, where'd the money go? 
Well, there is a... I forget. I watched a little thing on it. There was some serious movies out at the same time. I can't... And I wish I could remember what the freaking were. But there was three, like, big movies Well, it out. came out... It released July 30th. I was going to have that problem last week. Hmm. It released July 31st of 83, so it was a summer blockbuster and went up some real summer blockbusters that just knocked us out of the water. Oh, well, yeah. Gremlins didn't have that problem last week. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> Although, I looked at the trivia a little bit. It seems like a lot of money went to... Sets and costumes. How many sets did they build? They and the animatronic lot. beast, which was a animatronic, like there was lots of technological feats in that. It, like its eyes and its mouth all moved, and that was like the first time that had happened. Mm-hmm. And 1983, Scarface, Superman 3. Scarface was a flop. Oh, yeah, Superman 3. Uh, Never Say Never Again. Ah, uh, James Bond. There was two. There's two games. Bond movies that opened that same week. Because they were conflicting Bond Ooh. movies. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. that was when Sean Connery decided he was going to be Bond, but wasn't going to do it with the guys who were the original Bond people. Because never mind. <laughs> yeah, this is all new. I'm looking at your face, Carl. And you're like, I don't want to hear that, any of that. I don't care. Right. <laughs> if we do a Bond movie, it will be relevant. <laughs> so this was directed by Peter Yates, who also directed 1968's Bullet. Hmm. He also, he also directed two other movies, which made me laugh. Um, one is 1976 Mother, Jugs, and Speed, which is about... A am- porn movie? No, yeah. it's about ambulance drivers <laughs> in some kind of bet. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. And 1989's An Innocent Man, starring Tom Selleck. I've seen that. <laughs> With his mustache? With his mustache. <laughs> Great mustache. It was written by Stanford Sherman, who also wrote The Ice Pirates... Nice. The Man Who Wasn't There, and Any Which Way You Can, which nice. is the sequel to Any Which, which Way But Loose, starring um, Clint, Eastwood. Clint Eastwood and a monkey. It's a man in his monkey movie. That's how I, I found a podcast through a pod crawl that was doing Any Which Way You Lose, wow. <laughs> Any Which Way But Loose, and Any Which Way You Can. That's how I found a podcast <laughs> that I listened to for quite a while. But All not right. anymore? Not anymore. Okay, well. All right, this movie stars Ken Marshall as Corwin. What else has he been in? Uh, Discount Patrick Swayze. Well, he was hired. I was thinking that too. He looked like Patrick Swayze. He was hired because he had just starred in a Marco Polo miniseries and did quite well. And they couldn't get Patrick Swayze. And then he's done lots of TV (laughs) sets. Uh, Lissa is played by Lisette, Lisette Anthony. Who was in Dracula, Dead and Loving It. And she didn't mention a word in this whole movie. And a shit ton of Depeche, Depeche Mode and Brian Adams video, uh, music videos. However, the voice. She, her voice was too British, even though almost every actor in this movie is British. And it was produced by a British company. <laughs> um, but they found her voice too British and they wanted her dubbed by an American to play better with American audiences. So all of her lines are dubbed by Lindsay Krauss. And how old was Lindsay Krauss? She was in her 40s, and this kid was like 19. <laughs> also, Robbie Coltrane, his character's Hagrid. voice... Was, Hagrid, yes. Yeah. Was also dubbed by fellow Brit Michael Elfnick. Which doesn't make any sense to me. I do! While we were watching, I was like, why did he have a different voice, guy? That dude sounds like him. Like, it's, it's not that much different. And you know what? Just like him getting lower billing than somebody... Elaine was like, you know, how does... The person who was in it for one scene got higher building billing than Robbie Coltrane. I'm like, yes, he sits at home, counting his millions, crying himself to sleep about that. Well, <laughs> he might. I think they said I mean, it was he landed one of on, his he's earlier all right. roles. So at the time, well, yeah, this is one of his first movie roles. Yeah, so he he calls Liam Neeson in the middle of the night. Matter. and they talk about it's it. It's just funny that they dubbed his voice. He he does a perfectly fine American accent now. I guess he must have worked on it. This is 
This is the spur to his career. He plays <laughs> yeah. the character of Rune, by the way, in case you're wondering. Mm-hmm. Going on with our cast, Yinger is played is by Frank. Yes. Sam, I was like, Yinger. I don't know how you say it. It's spelled Y-N-Y-R. <laughs> Uh, he's played by Freddie Dro- Jones, who has 214 acting credits. Holy fuck. He was in Dune. <laughs> Lin- he was in Lynch's Dune. Um, the Count of Monte Cristo, The Black Cauldron, and Firestarter. Wow. Which Count of Monte Cristo? There's like 15 of them. Yeah. The Widow of the Web is played by Francesca Annis, and she was also in Lynch's Dune. <laughs> <laughs> so they had previously known each other. The character of, Cor- of Torquil was played by Alvin Armstrong, and he has 144 acting credits. I'm sure you recognized him, as he's in all kinds of shit, including Aragon, Van Helsing, The Mummy Returns, Sleepy Hollow, Braveheart, and The Saint. <laughs> and The Saint. That's a good movie. I just want to talk about it. <laughs> There's Ergo the Magnificent, who was played by David Batley, who was also in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and that character was played by our friend Mac in a D&D campaign. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's when we fought the Beholders. <laughs> Mac does listen to the podcast. I know, but eventually DJ will catch up and will appreciate the nod to his formal campaign. Mm. The uh, Cyclops is played by Bernard Breslau. And then, of course, there's Keegan, played by Liam Neeson, who we all know from Battleship. Yes. Really? Battleship. That's okay, your- all right. A Lego movie? No, that these are your. I see you having. All right, all right. The Taken movies. How about the Eighteen? Have you seen the Eighteen? Love Actually, <laughs> which we talked about on the podcast. No, I tried to find some obscure <laughs> stuff that I enjoyed, but nobody else did. Uh, Battleship might come out. Not a horrible back nightmare. To the I cannot believe Mason's daughter. Liam <laughs> yes, welcome back to the podcast. That's a certain point. You think he's just a bad parent. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what did you think going in, Tony? I was like, I used to love this movie when I was little, and I used to play the video game at the arcade. Ooh, I haven't the, watched it since, so I don't know what to expect with this movie. Did you only play the arcade, or did you also have it for your Atari? I didn't have it for the Atari. I only played it on the arcade. Mm-hmm. But I played it at Chuck E. Cheese when I was little. Elaine was like, oh, I want that game. I was like, so download it. It's probably new yeah, it's not going to take up much space. <laughs> yeah. It's an Atari game. You're going to download even the, them. Even the arcade is not going to be much yeah. space nowadays. I mean, you can download them all. <laughs> all right. John? Oh, I thought, oh, isn't this that stupid movie with the little starfish? Okay. With the blades coming the out. The glaive? It. It's the glaive. <laughs> yeah. I believe it's pronounced glave. It's glave. not. It's pronounced <laughs> glave. the glaive. Glave. All caps. Glave. Carly. Well, I had never heard of it. And, Shocking. Uh, you said it was a little Red Sonja-esque, so I was looking forward to hilariously bad effects. And there were. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, hey. Save that for your review. Oh, come on. It's a movie made in 1983. There's no fucking stress to do with bad effects. Another Infinity Stone well, there was a Marvel comic, comic book. book made. So technically, mm. this is in the Marvel universe. <laughs> All right. So, yep. this It's di- either Marvel or Walt Disney now, I guess. So. so when they run out of, like, um, Iron Man and <laughs> Black Panther, and they'd be like, oh, fuck, now what do we do? I don't know. Crawl? I wouldn't mind. I, <laughs> I'm normally re- against reboots, but I wouldn't mind them redoing this movie. Science fiction fantasy movies, I think, can get a, a pass to do... Re- I hate reboots as well, but yeah. I think they get a pass because especially how far we've come with CGI and stuff. This movie could be really cool if they have actors who are not overacting. <laughs> and, um, you know, good CGI, this could be pretty good. You think they're uh, overacting? Because there's a lot of scenes I felt they were underacting. <laughs> <laughs> but I love every second of it. We'll get back to that when we find... <laughs> you know um, who else loved this movie? Patrick Swayze Hurt right in the beginning. Jeff89. He rates it 10 out of 10. One Ooh. of my favorite movies of all time. 
This movie born. didn't get that many good reviews when it first came out, but who cares about reviews? Not me. This movie rocks. Coming from the guy writing <laughs> the review. All caps for exclamation point. It has really good special effects, most of it when they arrive at the Black Forest and also in the quicksand scenes. It also has a really good story to a kind of dip to it kind of different. He needs more punctuation. Kind of different than other sci-fi movies. I also think it has a great cast. And at least you get her red pen out. <laughs> well, some people felt differently, like John and like James Sanford from the Kalamazoo from Gazette, son? who gives it a one out of five. And says, pretty dumb, although the glass spider is cool. <laughs> That's his entire review. I looked to see if there was more. No. He gave it just this. It's not like an Ebert one where it's four pages and we only pick yeah, two yeah. Usually it gives you the blurb. The word, apparently. It gives you the blurb and you click for the full review. Yeah. No, that was the full thing. I, thought it was I think fun. I had a, the one I had the shortest, I think. It was one or two words. It was like, it sucked. And I was like, That's a great review. Mm-hmm. So... Before like, we begin, I want to say one thing about fantasy movies. Oh, good. Let's, you know, this is not a short movie, so you take long, so. <laughs> oh, it'll be as long as it'll be. <laughs> right. So, the problem I think that fantasy movies have, and the reason I will always prefer a book to a movie, is that it's very hard to tell a story in any sort of believable manner, because they're always kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Which is why I think I like ridiculous movies overall. And I think that... Lots of people don't like fantasy movies. More people like sci-fi than I think the straight fantasy. And all this, and although this movie tried to blend sci-fi and fantasy, they did not do it very well. <laughs> but it's more a fantasy movie and a sword and sorcery kind of movie than it is a sci-fi movie. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like unless you really want to use your imagination to fill in the gaps, you're never really going to enjoy this type of movie, which is why I think these movies don't do very well. See, that's why you watch movies, so your mind doesn't have to fill in any gaps. Someone does that for you. It's called the director. You don't have to fill shit in. John does not enjoy these kind of movies. Because no, I don't want to fill things in. That's why I don't read the book. I watch the movie. When I'm watching Pulp Fiction, you know, and they say Palooka, I'm like, okay, Palooka, taken care of. That movie's trash. Okay. We'll see what your opinion is on that coming up here soon. All right, that movie's garbage. Okay, so, open. That sounds underappreciated to me. We open with some great soundtrack work as the spinning glaive reveals the title, Crawl. Tony said the uh, music was done by the same dude that did Star Trek 2, yes. so he kept going. This movie is the same. It's the same music. It's it the sounds same very music. similar. <laughs> no, that one went dun, 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 yeah. This one went dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He also, well, people must have enjoyed it because he got Aliens 2, or Aliens not aliens too it's just aliens because of this mm-hmm. he, he has a great soundtrack career i can't remember his name was jack horn or john horn or something like that little jack horn that dude who makes a great soundtrack nice out of corner all right so we begin our movie in space and we see a ship approaches at a faraway planet and the ship looks a little bit like a petrified tree had a baby with superman's fortress of solitude mm-hmm. and the ship lands uh, causing a bunch of fractures in the earth and then we get this voiceover. And the crawl. We get this voiceover by Yumir. Yumir? This, it was given to me to know. Many worlds had been destroyed by the beast and his army, the Slayers. This, it was also given to me to know that the beast would come to our world, the world of Krull, and his black fortress would be seen in the land that 
The smoke of the burning of villages would darken the sky, and the cries of the dying would echo through deserted pels. But one thing I cannot know, whether the prophecy be true, <laughs> that a girl of ancient yep, name yep. shall become queen, Birthday. that she shall choose a king and together rule our world, and that their son shall rule the galaxy. And so Thanos snaps his fingers. <laughs> if it's in the Marvel Universe... There's a 50% chance that kid didn't make it. Maybe their kid is Thanos. Uh, no, because I know who Thanos' parents are. I thought like, this movie the, was going to be about mystery. their kid. <laughs> Even though Thanos' parents weren't purple. When we had no, the prophecy... <laughs> they don't know that. <laughs> I was like, okay, so this movie's going to be about the kid who's going to grow up and rule the galaxy. <laughs> It is not. We don't find out anything about that kid and how he rules the galaxy (laughs) and how he even gets off planet because they're they don't seem to have any spaceships. Just the they don't seem to have the technology for spaceships. Although they do have magic. Although if it's the only inhabited planet in the galaxy, I guess you could just rule that one. That's true. We rule this galaxy, right? The only competition is what that robot on Mars, (laughs) and we own that motherfucker. (laughs) That battery's running out. Um, Well, I guess that's true. All right. Well that's, well, that's a bold statement, Tony. We don't know the entire galaxy. Well, we, don't we, haven't know. Been, we haven't been there yet. We can claim it until a 70-foot <laughs> alien comes over and looks at you funny. We have a flag. Yeah. So. so we see a castle, and in the castle... We'll claim the solar system. Yeah. We see that's us. a father and daughter, Princess Le- Lisa. Liza? Lisa. It's Lisa. I wrote it Liza Minnelli? She's uh, urging her father to make an alliance with his enemy. And uh, he says that he would rather make a treaty to join forces against the Slayers than have her marry this dude's son. And she's like, this is my choice. I want to marry him. Which I thought was kind of interesting because usually it's the father forcing the daughter to marry. Yeah. But the daughter is like, no, we need to do this. I want to marry this dude. Can we just please she, do this dad? She knows the dude. She and it's like, the have they been communicating business. somehow? Because yeah. they had to be. They they really seem to be in cahoots, but they also don't seem to have ever seen one another. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's like email or anything. Maybe <laughs> magic. Also, Tony thought that her dad's face was like it was made out of clay. Like, if you... If he, if he made you mad, you could just swipe down anyone. Yeah, it was really, anymore. really odd. Big had a lot of makeup. Oh, Look like Poor it was in his face. The way you punched him, it would stay. And Lissa, Lissa says that the marriage is the only way to guarantee the alliance, and that is what she chooses. Mm-hmm. She says Corwin is a great fighter, and her father comes back with great fighters make bad husbands, which. Okay. Seems like wisdom. <laughs> Could be. Uh, how, well, there's, how would he there's know that? probably going to come a day where they don't come home. <laughs> also, I'm throwing the bullshit flag on this guy's great fighter car. We'll get to that. Then we see a traveling party going through the woods. And then they arrive at the at the palace. And they as they enter the courtyard, which seems like a really weird way to enter a castle gate, it goes right to this courtyard full of stairs. Well, it didn't seem like there was like a wall around the castle. So yeah, there's just they could a just gate. Go up and go right in the gate, and now they're in the castle. Where are the stables? Where do those horses where, go? Yeah. Where are the people of this kingdom? <laughs> the castle was just in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, well, most castles were in the middle of nowhere, so it's easy to defend them. Yeah. I guess. But the two kings argue about who who have lost more men because the king that Corwin's dad, whose name I cannot remember, is like I lost fifty men making it here, and um, Lissa's dad is like I lost twenty men trying to send you a message, and they're just arguing. And Corwin interrupts, and well, the 
his dad says that they that he didn't choose this marriage, but Corwin interrupts that he and Lissa have chosen it. <laughs> and that's the end of that. And he gets off his um, horse to go find Lissa. And they make fuck me eyes at each other and some inane small talk before they start making out. They're like, I have chosen well when they see each other. <laughs> She's like, my father says um, fighters make bad husbands. And he's like, it depends. Do you want me to wait on you hand and foot? Just She's like, you, you won't? <laughs> Am I not worth it? I think that's when he kisses her. He's like, shit, I ran out right. of cool things to say. <laughs> so then it's later that evening, and uh, the wedding ceremony begins. Begins by the kings meeting and officially dissolving their kingdoms, declaring that, they, that their kingdoms are no more, and they will now be ruled by their children. It will, shall be one kingdom. Mm-hmm. And right. be Lord Farquaad. So then we see some troops riding through the forest. And we flash back to the wedding ceremony, and it's very mystical. Corwin approaches, uh, he's got a torch, and he approaches this barrel of water and says, I douse something, something, douse my fire in the water, and it will not come back to me but from my wife's hand. (laughs) And then he douses this torch, and then she reaches in the water, and she says, I take fire from water. And... Pulls her hand out, and now her hand's on fire. And I was like, oh, there's magic in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fire of love. <laughs> and then right, right as she's supposed to give the fire back to him to cement the marriage, uh-huh. Slayer's attack. And, um, and they are unable to complete the ceremony, so they're still not married. This is a key pot, plot point. <laughs> All right, so Corwin goes to attack the Slayers, and Lissa wants to come with him. My place is with you. And he says, do you love me? And she says, of course I love you. And I'm like, you just met. And he says, <laughs> then go. It's too late now. <laughs> she has to go he, off. He apparently has some, he's got stars in his eyes or something, because this is not the first woman who just sees him and then instantly falls in love with him. <laughs> no, that's true. It's, like, it's a common thing with him. He's that great. He is kind of dreamy. I'm just going to say it. He's just kind of dreamy. He has just the right amount of beard, and his hair is just a little wave, a little bit like Riker on um, oh, um, Next Generation. <laughs> just the right, just the right hint of handsome. Um, but so he sends her away to safety. She's going to go out the back door of the castle, and then battle ensues. This battle is crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, they have magic weapons. Oh, and those guys shoot blasters. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty awesome. It does not go well for our... Uh... The uh, gentleman who plays Corwin had trained for months beforehand, getting in shape and doing fencing for to pre- and horseback riding to prepare for this role. Mm. He's really into it. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were trying to capture that uh, swashbuckling Arrow Flynn kind of vibe, so which I think they did. But as the, ba- as the battle rages upstairs, Lissa's escape party is ambushed by slayers mm-hmm. and she grabs a sword and it's been a while since i saw this and at first i was like oh she's gonna 
attack somebody with a sword. No, no. She just throws it to one of her friends. <laughs> so he goes, oh, no, I forgot. Ladies can't do anything. No. <laughs> Which is funny because up to this point, she has actually seemed like a fairly important lady. And the way she tossed that sword, I was like, she looked like she knew what she was it. doing. It. Yeah, I know. Bitch can wield it. She tossed it like it weighed a pound. <laughs> well, I first thought she was going to throw it to that guy and then grab another one because there were a plethora of swords. Yeah, know? there were swords everywhere. In, in, they remade this movie. She would lay waste to at least twenty slayers before also, they ha- before they overcame her. She has fire hands. Why isn't she using them? <laughs> maybe she can only bear the flame, not wield it. Oh, maybe flame that, bearer. That would well, be you know important what? for us to know because more than once she could have used the <laughs> fire hands if she's able to I wield mean, it. If I was a fire hand person, I would like get the flame. Like you don't want none, and you know what. If I was on the other end of that and someone did that, I wouldn't want one. Yeah, I don't know. We don't know why she never used yeah. the fire she bears. Well, we'll have to ask her next time. In so. the remake, whoever does it in the future. Oh, dear God. Please explain <laughs> that. Well, they should both get to use fire hands. Everybody gets fire hands. You get fire Oh, it should be Oprah. Oprah should... Well, no, Oprah may, won't be like a 19-year-old, but you get a fire hand. You get fire hand. <laughs> you get a fire hand. Oprah could play Ymir. <laughs> oh, she play. could. Oprah can play Ymir. Right. So, <clears throat> she's taken. And as she's, as the slayers are, the slayers start to retreat as they load her up into the, onto a horse. And you can hear, Corwin, Corwin, save me. <laughs> and it's quite And he goes to try to save her, but his dad gets killed. But his father is killed. And then he himself is injured. He gets winged. We oh. assume he died. You know what? Like, oh, Don't fuck, be a bitch. You call one in the shoulder. <laughs> and poor... And uh, so the Slayers retreat with their prize, and Lissa is taken to the Beast. <laughs> I don't want to settle on that. Then we see Ymir no, come entering the castle, and at first it looks like he's looting. <laughs> but then we his see, horse is just chilling. His horse is just chilling. <laughs> he takes the necklace of the with the glaive symbol off the old dead king, and it looks like he's a looter. But no, then he doctors up Corwin <laughs> and waits for him to awaken. And when he... Uh, Corwin wakes up, and he's like, Lisa! <laughs> he's Fred Sanford all of a sudden? And, um, I think Elaine might be over right here. <laughs> <laughs> trying to recap your magic. Uh-huh. I'm just trying to make this a good time for you. It's working. And for you, listener. <laughs> and for Ben. <laughs> Who I'm sure really likes Crawl, because he seems like he has good taste in movies. Well, okay. <laughs> Let us know, Ben. All right. So, uh, he says, who are you old, or Ymir says that he is, uh, that Lissa has been taken to the beast in the Black Fortress. Mm-hmm. And Corwin is like, well, who are you? And he says, I'm Ymir. And then Corwin comes back with the old, the old one. And he says, I'm not that old. He's not that old. But he has come yeah. down from the granite mountains. <laughs> if he was really old, he couldn't get his old ass down the mountain. In search of a king. <laughs> He gives Corwin his father's medallion, and you know, and Corwin is starts to cry, and he's he's just really he broken all, up. Yeah, he's, he's overacting like a motherfucker. His father right. is dead, and his bride is gone. And uh, Ymir says, "There's no time for grief." He says, "There's no crying in baseball." And <laughs> and Corwin goes, "You haven't lost a father and a bride on the same day." And Ymir responds with, nor have I become king on that day. He's like, glass half full, bro. (laughs) But uh, he's like, but of what? What am I king of? (laughs) But Ymir kind of begins to leave in disgust because obviously this guy's not a king. 
But Corwin asks, stops him and says, where can I find Lissa? And Ymir says, she's held in the Black Forest. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, then I will go there. Can you leave me? And he says, well, you will need more than men and swords. Mm-hmm. You will need the power of Grace Oh, sorry. <laughs> and Corwin scoffs at this knowledge because this is just an old wives' tale and it's nothing but a symbol. <laughs> and Ymir says that he knows where it is and he will need it. it oh. And she lost her place. <laughs> no, I wrote a sentence that doesn't make it sense. Okay, but he says it is up in the mountains and he points Corwin at the way he needs to go. She keeps saying Corwin so, and I hear Corbin. <laughs> and that would be so much cooler if Corbin Dallas was in this. No. <laughs> Come on now, Lilu. Lilu would have fucked some of them slayers up. She All of them slayers yeah. up. But that was not the role of Lissa. Yep. Not no. right. Her so role Le- to look distraught. So Lilu's cooler than <laughs> look, Lissa. <laughs> she's kind of cool at times, but she also is in a movie in 1983. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, that's just the way this stuff works. She does wander around in a in a dress like she's in a Thompson Twins video for about most of the movie. Well, maybe that's why she got all those Depeche Mode and uh, Brian's Adams music, music videos. I will say, when we went in search of the glaive, mm-hmm. I was thinking of a pole arm. <laughs> <laughs> well, a glaive is actually a glove that fits over your hand that has a spike, a spike on it that you stab people with. So it's like a dagger attached to a glove. Like in Willow. That is what an actual not glaive is. not Willow. We just talked about that. <laughs> Don't make people think of Willow. Then they'll compare this to that. And, <laughs> and that's not fair. And that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> but I was not expecting what he found. Okay. That's so all I'm saying. <laughs> they go to a mountain. And Ymir says that is where it is in this cavern. And that he will wait for him down here. He must go alone to retrieve it. People have to go alone. That only a true king can get it. All right. So, so then he goes up and he finds Elvis. He's like, all right. Yeah. So then Corwin ascends. We get some heroically awesome music as Corwin dodges rock slides, scales sheer rock places, and enters a cavern full of rivers of liquid hot magma. This <laughs> game is very Legend of Zelda in the beginning. And what's Which, funny is, yeah. is people walk around going, "What is all? What is this stuff? It's lava. What's lava? <laughs> it's magma." Well, he seems <laughs> to know. He seems to know what magma he is. Well, most people do. He took third grade geology. Well, he seems <laughs> has science. He spots the glaive in He's... a pool of liquid hot magma. And Thank you, Dr. Evil. And that's just the way I say magma. <laughs> All the time. And then she also, she's always like, I just want some sharks with a freaking laser beam on their freaking and he forehead. he sticks his hand in and you know fire what, comes You know out. when sharks with laser beams on their forehead would have come in handy? The Meg. <laughs> anyway she's not wrong <laughs> alright so he sees the glaive and it's under the magma and he's a little apprehensive but he says fuck it this is worth it and reaches in to the pool of goo and he comes back with a nub and pulls out <laughs> the glaive and it's actually like he like it's on fire the top there's fire on the top of the magma as he reaches his hand in and you expect his hand to be all burnt but instead we're going to be like ah he pulls out <laughs> the glaive and at first it's covered in like ash goo covered in goo well, it's covered in goo well, lava covered with goo and it's covered in like burnt up ashy bits but slowly it falls off to reveal the glory in it, gloriousness that is the legendary weapon, the glaive. And this movie's <sighs> favorite tertiary object. It's not a tertiary object. It is a tertiary object. Can you define tertiary for me, please? Something that is in the movie that is interesting, but not 
pivotal to the plot. This thing is not pivotal to the plot. Did they that not say that, that, Did they not say that this thing was needed to beat the bad guy? But they were incorrect. Did they not need this thing to cut through the imaginary wall thing? Maybe so without the imaginary wall thing, you want to go through? All right then. Seems pretty fucking important to me. Anywho, anywho, I I think this is your object. No, because she wants it to be her favorite tertiary object in a camping. It's not as important as we are led to believe it will be. Yes, that is true. It's a it's a red herring of a tertiary object. All right. So, anyways, he goes. It is a. If you have not seen it, you should Google the glaive. But looks like a starfish with knives. It's a five-bladed throwing star the size of my head. <laughs> and, it, the, and it's got like the these little claw talons. It's very cool. They pop out. It's very, it's very, very neat. And he controls it the it's same. Like a switchblade, but there's five. Like of them. a blade's <laughs> weapon. How like you yeah. put your hand on it and the. Psh. Yes. <laughs> the blades pop out when you psh, use the power of your mind. <laughs> then we flash to the beast, and he tells Lissa that she has been brought there to the Black Fortress to marry him, because the beast knows of the prophecy and knows that she is a queen of ancient name that is going to bear the son that will rule the galaxy and the beast would like to have that as his job he wants that legacy so he wants her to to marry him and since and this is why this is the marriage ceremony was pivotal to the plot because it had not been completed so she still could marry the beast although i suppose if she was married and he killed corwin they could still get married but i don't work whatever she had a point there and completely left it yeah well, the point was that he wants to marry her. But after, yeah. when they got and attacked, for, I was like, did they finish? And Tony's like, no. And, for, <laughs> and I think that the marriage ceremony won't be complete unless she gives her fire to her chosen king. And so she has to voluntarily give it to the beast or else you'd think he would just do a marriage, a marriage ceremony. Yeah. Like in the well, you know what? If they had the short, short ceremony in the beginning, we wouldn't have this problem. Yeah. Well, Corwin goes back to Ymir. I'm going to say it weird every time because the because Ymir weird. is weird. Um, who tells him not to use the glaive until he needs it. Because you only get five charges on that thing. <laughs> right. And Corwin then says, lead me to the Black Forest. And Ymir says it won't be that easy, as every day it moves. And Corwin's like, you told me you knew where to find it. And well. Ymir says, I know how we can find it. We have to seek the vision of the blind emeralds here. And Corwin says... Um, and, he uh, says, um. He says, oh, sorry. He says that the Emerald Seer's place isn't known either. So how are we going to find that? And Ymir comes back with the pompous, it is known to me. This is what, there are a few things in this movie that make me think that he really is, like, mystically old. Yes. Like, he knows people from a long time. <laughs> he's he's, people who he's know people Merlin or Gandalf. Yeah. He's the wise He knew them before they became he's what they cool are now. He's not as cool as Merlin and or Gandalf. I'm just saying that that's... They were both wizards. I'm saying... He's just old. I'm saying that this is the character that he's portraying. Mm -hmm. The wise elder who leads you on your... Who mentors... He's Qui-Gon Jinn. Who mentors (laughs) the young Padawan. Qui-Gon was so much cooler. Maybe he's the reason... Does he have a laser sword? Maybe he's the reason... Does he do acrobatics? That Qui-Gon is so awesome. Because as we know, he meets a young Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon Jinn later in the Yeah, story. and Liam Neeson's mm-hmm. like, know what I want to paste my uh, Star Wars character on? Ymir. Mjolnir from this movie I did in 83. <laughs> Not Mjolnir. That's a different... That's, that's Hammer. That's all so way this cooler than this guy. The Glaive. <laughs> he was pretty cool. Was he forging the heart of a dying star? No. Okay. Then. Actually, we don't know. <laughs> we don't. All we know, he's the old one who is from up in the mountains. Uh-huh. That's all we know. Uh-huh. All right, so they make camp that night. 
by a, a waterfall and a pond. And all of a sudden, we see a red comet come hurtling through the sky and land into the water. It's a man. A man, baby. So here's what I, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. At some point, I got up and left the room. I come back, and this happened. And I was like, can he, like, summon the seer? Is this the seer? It is not the seer. No. <laughs> but for a couple of minutes, I was like, this is the this is the dude you're going to around? No. No. It's a man. The movie I was watching is not the same movie. And he, uh, <laughs> he doesn't seem to like Corwin's attitude and threatens to turn him into a goose. But instead turns himself into a goose. Because he's not a wizard, he's a druid. <laughs> no. He's one of the hill people and they actually can't do harm. <laughs> but he is Ergo the Magnificent. Short of stature, tall in power, narrow of purpose, and wide of vision. And pain in the ass. So Corwin tells him that it's dangerous in these woods and you're better off coming with us. But Ergo does not travel with peasants and beggars. And he's going to go the opposite way. Mm-hmm. So he stomps off, but then he spots a cyclops. Like you do. Like you do. I hate when that happens. It's totally normal. (laughs) And then runs back the other way. And uh, he says, I just remembered, I have urgent business in this direction. And uh, Corwin asks him, what business is that? And he says, the business of staying alive. Uh, Jumps on. uh, uh, Jumps on the back of the horse. I'm fucking coming with you. No, sorry. Uh, who's beeping? Uh, it's not me. You, it's all, me. you owe all of our listeners a beer. It's me. It's only going to cost you like four bucks. It's DJ. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Back to the beast and Lissa. He tells Lissa that she has free reign of the castle as she will soon be queen. Mm-hmm. However, everywhere she goes leads right back to the fucking middle. It's so weird, this place. Plus, this part- is what they spent money on. This bizarre fortress of teeth <laughs> And seashells. And walls that just close on you. Have you ever seen the um, movie musical Dr. Doolittle? No. The old one? So there's a part in the Dr. Doolittle where he's searching the great, he's searching for the great sea snail. Mm-hmm. And he finds it. And they go in the shell. And it's very similar to like the way the walls look in, this, in the Black Fortress. <laughs> and it just reminded me of that. That's another really, really great movie that I can get in under... It's so old, no one's ever seen it. <laughs> so what is the... It's so old, no one has seen it, so it's unappreciated? It like, doesn't count for movies like Rocky and The Godfather. It those are old! I know, <laughs> but people still watch them. John Wayne's not accounted for Gone with the Wind. Because I think might. It might. People well, do still watch that. Do you know what the number one ticket-selling movie of all time is? Gone, Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind, by quite a bit. So Avatar could stick it up his ass. But if you want to do Gone with the Wind, you can do Gone with the Wind. But I know for a fact you don't like that movie. It doesn't fit my genre. It's really long. Red has to kick a little more ass in it. I think. <laughs> my mother would love if we did that. I quite enjoy that movie, but you do not. Mm. This movie reminded me of um, Legend. Yeah. A lot. With Tom Cruise. Yeah. With yeah, but there was the no best, devil do with horns. Yeah, some of the best special effects I've ever seen was the Tim Curry in that movie. Well, maybe we'll do Legend. Wait, I might just make this the year of 80s fantasy movies. Nice. I'm down. <laughs> oh, boy. If I can find a copy of The Beastmaster, I'm doing it. <laughs> like I told you earlier, I'm not going to get that for like you. you have so. USA, it's on there regularly. <laughs> <laughs> you can get it on Amazon. I looked. It's available on Amazon for $9. It used to be on it used to be on USA every weekend. It's so I don't know great. How many times I watched Koto and Koto. And Beastmaster 2. <clears throat> anyway, so. Electric Boogaloo? We're back to our party of. Time. 
Our party of three have entered a very ominous road through boulders, cliffs, a desert. We're not really sure. And And I was like, you have a strange choice in roads. And the the old dude is like, this is going to save us some time. Save us half a day if we go this way. Unfortunately, you know what else is in this way? Torco and his robbers. And they ambush him. And there's some banter between Torquil and Corwin. And he notices that they're all wearing manacles and that they're escaped prisoners. And uh, Corwin invites them to join him on his great quest. Without asking him, hey, you guys a bunch of killers and rapers? No, you just seem like, you know, escape well, convicts. Torquil is no like, I'm not following some crazy man on a weird quest to, to the Black Fortress. Lots of people claim to be a king. And well, no, because he says, like, would you follow a king? And he's like, I wouldn't even follow my dad into the Black Fortress. <laughs> and he's like, well, if you come with me, I'll give you the key to your chains and I have a bunch of money. And they're like, okay. Or we could just kill you and take Well, he, But he <laughs> says, the reward is freedom and fame. And Torquil is like, freedom? We have it. And fame? Nah, it's an empty purse. Count it, go broke. Eat it, go hungry. Seek it, go mad. So suck it. But Corwin throws the key to him to unlock them from their... Or no, one of the one of the robbers says, I'll go. Sure, fuck it. So Corwin takes out his key and unlocks his manacles. He's like, and only the king or the, or the Lord Farquhar. The Lord Marshal <laughs> or the king have the key to this. Yeah. He's like, yeah I'm the and king. you don't look like the Lord Marshal. And Corwin yeah. kind of winks at him. He doesn't really Lord Marshall, wasn't but he gives him this, He gives him those those sparkly <laughs> yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, I told you I'm the king. The you really are the king. Oh, uh, Cronkles are Rick. Yeah. And he gives the key. He unlocks the dude and then he gives the key to Torquil. She hasn't done that movie yet. And um yeah. Torquil says keep your key. I will unlock them if we survive this quest and he joins his Merry band of men. And now they are They the, are not Robin Hood's merry band of now men. Now they are not Torquil's robbers. They're Corwin's army, the king's army. Yeah, some yeah. of not the, much of an army. They're like the musketeers. <laughs> well, some they're of them are cool. like, "What the fuck are we doing?" <laughs> this is, yeah, this they're is, not all down. This is a foolish quest. Hagrid's like, "Oh, uh-uh, I don't want to do this." <laughs> and Hagrid, what does he say? He says something about uh, like rocks in our faces is all we're gonna get, or yeah, something. Yeah, and the guy says something. He's like, "What? Can't a person talk to himself uninterrupted?" Yeah. So, and then we see that the Cyclops is still following them and watches from afar. Then, as they travel through some woods, Ergo spots some gooseberries. Apparently, he really loves some gooseberries. So, he stops for a little little snack. Snack. And is almost killed by a slayer who appears out of nowhere. But thank God! (laughs) Who else appears out of nowhere? The Cyclops. The Cyclops. And his fucking Spear of Doom (laughs) and... Kills the Slayer. That was that same spear was in Thor Ragnarok, but it was made of wood, and it was very you know wasn't useless. <laughs> and you have three vampires standing together. Really together. <laughs> Anyways, so <laughs> much better so, science fiction. But this is too much adventure for Ergo, and he faints. So because he thinks the Cyclops is trying to kill. Him. Well, the, everybody hears him shout, and they come back, and Corwin or not Corwin Ymir does some kind of magical something and rubs his forehead with his thumb, which causes him to wake up. And he says, it was terrible. There was a horrible beast over there. And then there was a side, a gentleman with one eye that was aiming a spear right for me. And Ymir says that uh, if he had been aiming for you, you would always already be dead. And that it was a Cyclops. And that there's great hatred for, between the Cyclopses and the Slayers. Because long ago on another world, mm-hmm. the Cyclops, Cyclops 
these his people made a pact with the beast and the slayers and they traded the, one of their eyes for the wisdom to see the future however it was a trick and all they can see is the time of their own death mm-hmm. so there's an ancient hatred and um so then uh, their party keeps on a traveling and they reach the uh home of the emerald seer and Gimir and Corwin and Torkel are going to go, and Ergo is like, I'm not going to be left behind. So he joins their party, and the four of them go to see the seer. Gimir walks right into some solid rock, mm-hmm. and uh, the seer saw him coming and says, I see my old friend, and splits the rock open with green light. And Gimir mm-hmm. walks right in, and then everybody kind of looks at each other. And they're like, holy shit, did that just happen? But they walk in, too. This is one of moments in the movie. I was like, I'm going to give it a nice E3 pass because this is terrible. (laughs) (laughs) That's what makes it fun. (laughs) So they enter the Emerald Seer's home. And the Emerald Seer is called that because his uh, house is covered in emeralds. And he can't see shit. And he can't see shit, but he does have a very nice beard. Mm -hmm. And And a weird little boy running around his house. Titch. Titch's yep. helper boy. Yeah. I wonder if it's like his grandson or his great-grandson. or Because mm-hmm. Titch says he's his only family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But Ymir um, asks the seer to seek the Black Fortress. And the seer says that uh, the beast does not look like it when people look at his um, house and that they'll be opposed, but he agrees to do it anyways. And he has the time stone. So, so as Torquil steals... Emeralds from the seer's house, and ergo steals candy from a baby. <laughs> where, almost literally, where he asks Titch what, if he's got any candy. What kind of boy has, doesn't have any candy? And Titch breaks off a small piece of a cinnamon bar for ergo, and ergo takes the larger piece because he's a butthead. <laughs> he also reiterates his name to Titch, and Titch is like, that's a very great name. <laughs> and then uh, says that Titch's name is... It's small but adequate, mm-hmm. which is also kind of funny. All right, so the seer holds up this big emerald, and he's using it, and you see the Black Fortress in a vision, and then all of a sudden, the beast breaks the vision with a giant gust of wind. They're all blown back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doesn't his hand reach up and crush the, yeah, the gem? Yes. Yeah. It's very cool. But um, Ymir asks the seer if he's okay. He's, he is... But uh, the beast is too powerful. Not even the seer can see. But the seer says that there's one place that the beast has no power. And that they need to travel to the Emerald Temple. And it's in the middle of the Great Swamp. And uh, there the beast cannot contest its power. And um, Corwin asks the seer if if he will travel there to see this vision. His need is very great. Because... His, his fiance. It's true love. <laughs> <laughs> Two blades. So the seer joins our adventuring party, and they enter the great swamp. Mm-hmm. However, there are slayers in the swamp, and there's an attack. We get another really great fight scene involving a lot of red lightning, mm-hmm. and the cyclops joins the fight and the party mm-hmm. because once this fight is over. He stays to introduce himself. He's real, the Cyclops. And uh, he's, he's among friends. And mm-hmm. him and Ergo seem to have a special little chat. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be best buds from now on. Too bad. <laughs> Never mind. We'll get to that. All right. Back to Lissa. She tries to escape the beast. 
but always lead back to him in a marriage. <laughs> he keeps showing her this glowing um, crown and outfit that uh, I think uh, John Carpenter saw and said, "Ooh, I want that for Big Trouble in Little China." No, <laughs> <laughs> don't you, don't you, don't you even try bringing that science fiction fantasy classic into this piece of shit. <laughs> Better queen. Better CGI, much cooler main character. All right, Mao Yun is not a better actress than Lissa. She, well, at least she used her own voice. All right. <clears throat> and I'm sorry, Corbin Dallas discount, Patrick Swayze guy, is I not like, as cool as Jack Burton. I like Ken Marshall. Does he have a boot knife? No, he's he got a glaive. He <laughs> does, and he does fight with the sword dagger, dagger combo, which I enjoy. Does their mystic guy have a All six right. demon bag? No. No, but he is. Exploding bazooka boots. <laughs> no, that's another Kurt Russell classic. <laughs> back to our adventure. Best Tango and Cash. You want to go back and see that? And oh no, they have encountered some quicksand. And every movie in the 80s had quicksand. Yeah. This, and I tell you, when I was growing up, I thought quicksand was going to be much bigger of a problem. Like, they make it sound in movies in the 80s like quicksand was every, like, once a day you're going to come across some sand. It was, but it's, <laughs> it's in the swamp. And there's How no many times are you going in the swamp? Don't ask me about my business. But I, I've yet to come across quicksand. Yeah, I don't think I've ever... <laughs> Just saying. Our tax went down. <laughs> Look, we all know that quicksand is a scary mother. We learned about that in our replacements episode. <laughs> mm -hmm. Bees. Bees are scary as a mug. What you talking about, Shane? Like spiders on the field? <laughs> all right, so... Um, Prison. The seer says that it's the power of the beast... And they all link together to pull themselves out of the quicksand, but poor Nanog does not make it. And it's it's the first real death of our party, and we're very upset about it. And what a trooper. He throws the bag of holding at them so they don't lose it. I love you. You're welcome. I thought maybe they were going to... He was going to, like, toss it to them and hold on to part of it <laughs> so they could pull the bag and help. But no. <laughs> Someone had to die. Yeah, sometimes people don't make it. And we're lucky he had but, Like, this guy was wearing a red shirt for most of the movie, so. <laughs> During this distraction, the Beast sends a changeling in to murder the seer and take his place. And nobody notices because they're all stuck in this quicksand. Mm -hmm. So then they get out of the quicksand all but porn and og. And um, they go, they look around because the seer is, they're like, what happened to him? But he's over there sitting safely on a log, so they think. <laughs> and um, Corwin grabs his, um, first Ymir helps him up, and then Corwin says, I will lead the seer. Titch, you lead the way to the temple. So Titch goes on ahead. And then, um, but then Torquil comes over and says, no, Corwin, you go ahead with Titch. I will lead the seer. And you can see on his face that he's pissed off because he wanted to be with Corwin. Because he's going to murder Because he wants to kill him. Because so. he's evil. Mm -hmm. The black eyes give it away. All right. So the Cyclops stays back to guard the path to make sure no slayers come upon them as they enter the temple. Temple of Doom? No. Much cooler. And after the, party has, after the party has moved off into quite some distance, we hear a noise. And up through the quicksand comes the seer's body. And the Cyclops is like, oh, no, the seer is really dead. And I'm like, you know what? So quicksand randomly spits things out. We all know this, right? Because, and once you know the Cyclops happens to be standing fifteen feet for the spot where well, this body was dumped. That shit's what I call it's not amazing. amazing. It's not amazing, and you want to know why? Because the quicksand really wasn't real. It was only temporary quicksand 
put there by the power of the beast. However, the beast no longer needs to keep that sand into quicksand because he knows that his changeling is about to murder Corwin. So he releases his power over the sand, which then expels the seer's body from the ground that has now in the become, exact place which has where the cyclops is standing. And that of course, shit's amazing. The cyclops is right there because that is the only path to the Emerald Temple, and he's guarding it. All right. That's how's that work out for me? So the plot holes. That's fine and good. Uh huh. Which really fucked him up because if he didn't do that, he would have killed Cowan. So he needed that magic still. His body probably popped up four feet to the left, but we don't care (laughs) about that body because we knew Nanak was dead. (laughs) So what you're saying is, is that if the beast kept the magic on this, kept the body underneath there. The other changeling would have killed yeah, The Corbin. beast is overconfident, <laughs> overconfident, much like all evil. Mm. Anywho, so the fake seers says they get to write about the Emerald Temple, which we don't get to see, which is very disappointing because I'd like to see at least the outside. Well, this $59 million <clears throat> budget, they were running out of money. <laughs> the fake seer says that he who seeks the knowledge must lead him and no one else should approach. So Corwin takes over leading the seer, and as soon as they go far enough away that the rest of the party can't see them and they're enveloped by the fog, the seer says, here is the knowledge that you seek, and his hands turn into talons of the beast. Meanwhile, the Cyclops has been racing through the swamp to get to them, and just in time, as the clawed hand of the beast is going for Corwin's throat, they're wrapped around his throat, they're starting to choke him, it's terrible... Cyclops comes out of nowhere, throws his Spear of Doom. Is that what it's called? I don't know, but it's awesome. It should have its own name. Spear of Destiny, perhaps? What about a pick of Destiny? And hits the changeling in the back, causing him to release Corwin, and then Corwin turns around and stabs him in the gut with a dagger, killing him, and then he turns into... Goo. Goo and escapes into the sand. Or okay, every time his one body of these dissolves, dies, it's like their body dissolves and then this creature goes into the ground. This looks like a giant slug goes into the ground. Which kind of makes me think of those ear things. <laughs> but then my thinking is okay, I guess there's a finite number of these creatures here and they just get new bodies. We just never see that. <laughs> they they just be, go into the ground. We never see anything. They could else. be. And I know you haven't seen this movie because Tony won't watch it. They could be like Tremors. And they could travel through the earth. <laughs> and, which is how Tremors, the creatures, alien creatures move. I've, they I've, travel through I the have earth. seen Tremors. It was just when I was a kid. Did you see Tremors but, On TNT. <laughs> but so they could, they as they leave their robotic bodies behind, their suits that maybe perhaps let them survive on this alien planet, they maybe try to hide underground. From maybe the atmosphere is not compatible with the Slayers. Maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> we just don't know. They are aliens. I have to read the comic. <sighs> All right, well, you I'll might. S- I kind of wanted to see something more with that. Nah, yeah. I didn't. All right, so <laughs> the Cy- the Cyclops has saved him, but unfortunately now they have no way to find the Black Fortress. But Ymir says there's one other who may know, the Widow of the Web. But Torkoal says she kills everyone. <laughs> We're not going there. That's ludicrous. But Ymir says she may not. Maybe. Possibly. Might not kill me. I know her name. And he's like, that's the dumbest shit I ever heard. Like, everybody knows her name. She's <laughs> the widow of the web. It's like, no, she had another name once. And he says. He knows. He says it. <laughs> yeah. He has to try. To every man they're fit. So, um, and at this point, I was looking, I was like, I really like his facial hair. 
<laughs> so now they go, oh, you should do that next time you get to grow a beard. I was like, maybe, maybe favorite tertiary object is that going to be that mustache thing. <laughs> it is quite intriguing. So then um, they travel to, they decide, they're like, all right. So they travel to the Widow of the Web, and along the way, Portage. The seer is dead. You can see how this only, is a video game because there's a little question. Yeah. <laughs> it was his only family, and now he's very sad and he's crying. Mm-hmm. And Ergo notices this. And he goes behind a bush and turns into a puppy to cheer Titch up. And uh, because earlier in the movie, the Cyclops and Ergo and Titch were having a conversation about what they would wish for if they could have wishes. Mm-hmm. And, and Titch just wanted a puppy. And Ergo was like, that's a foolish wish. Why not wish for many puppies? And he says, I just want one. <laughs> Which is not a foolish wish at all. But he turns into a puppy to cheer him up. And then Corwin says, hey, where's Ergo? And Titch says, he looks at the puppy in his arms. Mm-hmm. And he smiles real big and he says, he'll be back soon. Because <laughs> he know. And Corwin smiles, that great smile, because they both know that Ergo was the puppy. All right, so our adventurers travel to the Widow. Mm-hmm. They get close, but not all the way there, because Ymir says that he must approach alone. Of course, because no one can go anywhere at the end. And I think it's Torkoal says to each his fate, and Ymir responds with, if I'm not back by morning, then you'll know mine. See, now, there was a much cooler line like mm-hmm. that in Big Trouble in China. If we're not back by dawn, call the president. So our adventurers make camp. Boom! And Torkel asks um, Keegan, Hey, doesn't one of your wives live around here? And in fact, one of his seven wives... Eight. Seven. Eight. Why eight? I don't know. He says seven. I you feel, feel very strongly about I it. Feel, I feel good about eight. <laughs> One of his seven wives does live around there because he's a traveler. He has many wives. Um, and, Charming. Uh, <laughs> and his, his real name is actually Phil Landerer. And Torquil <laughs> says, well, we don't know that it's, a, that, that it's a problem to have more than one wife in this movie. In this land, you could have multiple wives. Coming right off of Christmas. Mormon. Yeah, it's true. Well, coming right off of Christmas, I couldn't imagine having that many wives. I, you know, <laughs> Because wife number one would not get a lot of presents and wife number one would be very upset about it. <laughs> We discussed this, and I told him that I would not like it if he had more than one wife, because I would not want to live with any of his other wives, and I would be sad if he was living if he was when he was off with his other wives. So I would prefer that he not have other wives. But it doesn't bother me if people want to have multiple wives. No problem with me as long as everybody involved is okay with it. And you could have multiple husbands. It doesn't bother me. That's fine. Whatever you do, you. All right. So you do you, boo boo. They. So, uh, Keegan goes and gets his wife, Meredith, and her and her foundling, Bella, or this woman she's taking in because her whole village was destroyed, um, help uh, Ergo cook dinner. And, uh, then, uh, and Bella, this young woman who's quite pretty, urges Corwin to eat for her. Yeah, I would always be tricky about some girl. I just might be like, eat this. I'm good. Eat this. For me, I'm like, I don't even know you. Didn't you have a wizard turn into a demon or something? And then we get Lisa and the Beast. You eat it first. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lisa, I've seen eat. The Godfather Part 3, okay? You eat it. Lisa enters a hallway, and at the end of it, she sees freedom. She cautiously walks down the hallway, and then all of a sudden, the end of the hallway closes up, and now she is in this circular room in the heart of the Beast's fortress it was a trap it's a trap i don't akbar style and uh he tries to convince her to marry him again and she says that uh she will not marry him she has a she has true love 
And the beast says, love is fleeting and power is internal. Eternal. And he shows her a vision of Vela and Corwin and says that Corwin will betray her. And Lissa says that he will be true. And we see Vela and Corwin and Vela is trying to convince Corwin to seek comfort in her body. He I wants, that's an invite she, to do the hibbity-dibbity. It is. She doesn't, wants, doesn't the beast turn into Corwin at this part? Yes. Yeah. She says, I can pick whatever form you want me to be. And she says, there's no love in this form. He That's changed. where he has the black eyes. And he should have changed to Patrick Swayze right now. <laughs> no. Still not with those black eyes. They're creepy. Yeah, he changed. For sunglasses. He, I'm sure, yeah. He changes into Corwin's body Moore. before he shows him a, a vision of Vela and Corwin. And um, <clears throat> so we flashed to Cor- Vela's trying to convince Corwin to do the hibbity-dibbity. And he says, I can't. I cannot have any comfort my, while my bride has no comfort. I cannot have any nor dibbity. He doesn't. He turns <laughs> her down, but the way he says it makes it sound like if Lissa was fine, maybe he would. Like, the lines here are very funny. He's like, I can't have comfort while she has none. It's like, okay, but so if she was comfy, you'd be there? Yeah, because first he says, I, cause he, says he loves her. Planet, I guess. He says he loves Lissa, but then the next line is that one about comfort, and it's just, it, it's very weird. But Either maybe, way. Which makes me think the beast was right. But the beast says, he <laughs> says like, he's going to cheat on you, and he almost does. He doesn't almost does because yeah. he turns her away. And the beast says, "If he will not betray you, then I will kill him, or my minion will kill you, will kill him." And Vela does turn out to be a minion of the beast. She gets claw hand, and she says that if I cannot, what did she? It's something like if I cannot lay with you, I am to kill you. And then she backs up and she says, but I cannot because the moment I saw you, I loved you. Yeah. In the hour I've known you, I've fallen in love with you. Something about the sparkle in this guy's eyes makes women fall in love. You must have a beer-flavored pin, too. (laughs) No, no. He's pretty dreamy. And so she can't do it. And the beast is like, well, fuck you then, and kills her. Just wipes her out of existence. The beast here is just super uber powerful, is able to kill this girl from across... Mm-hmm. The land or whatever. So the person standing right next to her is the only person he, coming to kill him. He so can, he couldn't do that to him? <laughs> no, he can't. He can kill her because she's one of his minions. Right. She's got the black eyes. Uh huh. Like, oh. like a shark's eyes. Yes. Like a dog's Her eyes are like a shark's fin. <laughs> and then the beast tells Lissa that if she consents to be his queen, he'll halt the slayer's killings. And that every death, and every second that she delays in agreeing, all those deaths are on her conscience. That's very upsetting. But she's like, you don't, you're not all powerful. Love is more powerful. Look, she loved him and she wouldn't kill him. Which, she seems perfectly fine with this village stranger, like, falling in love with her man. Well, Well, he didn't do anything. (laughs) Yeah, she stayed true. All right. But, uh... Then we go back to Yunger as he approaches the widow in the web. He come, he goes into this cave and it's filled with webbing and in the center of the web there's like a cocoon. And he says, I seek the widow! Do you have to say it in that voice? <laughs> Why can't I? Because it's loud. It's fun. It's not. Aww. <laughs> You're yelling at me. And the widow says, enter here and die. And he says, deal. And he climbs out onto the web. And as the web starts to move, you hear a little tinkling of bells. Yeah. 
And it calls the crystal spider. Uh, they didn't need to put bells on it. Whenever you go on a spider's web, they feel it. You don't have to put bells on it for it to fucking but hear it's it. it's a good it's audio ridiculous. cue for No, audience. what they're saying is we think all of you are stupid and don't know how webs work. Well, <gasps> most people don't know how webs work. <laughs> I found that Especially so condescending. I'm like, oh. <laughs> all right, in 1983, I might not have known that because I was three. But I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> A lot of people Tony, don't. Tony, you just got out of college when you came out. What did you think? Oh. <laughs> well, I studied spiders, so oh. I knew about it. <laughs> I beat Tony to the old joke today. So, <laughs> we hear the tinkling of bells, which is an audio cue to let us know that the vibrations of him climbing on the web has called the spider. And he spots the spider, and he calls out to the widow, Lizzo! I just asked her. And she's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and she asks who calls. And he says, it is I, Yim Yar. <laughs> and this terrible acting. My God. She's, she and can she only says, give him this much time. She says, I will give you that. this time. And, time, and flips a hourglass over. And it causes the spider to freeze. And so Not then for he, an hour. This though. is what's known Not as the time stone. <laughs> <laughs> See? It's a Marvel movie. Marvel. All right. So then... Um, he races across the web, not very successfully, because he stops to check out a body. And that he's was... not as spry as Corbin. And I'm sorry, <laughs> if you're just walking along a spider web and you see a skull, you're like, whoa, shit. He's kind of old and out of shape. He's trying. He's getting close, but we see that the spider is starting to move again. And we've done, I don't know, have you done a ropes course? <coughs> I've done a ropes course. Even when I was in good shape, it was fucking hard. <laughs> so you didn't go to the adventure park. Okay, it's not as easy as it looks. Okay. I'm just saying. I have tried to climb a cargo net, though. It's hard. (laughs) All right. So, at one point, the strand that he's climbing on breaks, and he swings underneath the center cocoon, and the spider is moving again and going after him, and he dramatically climbs and, just in the nick of time, makes it into the center of the web where he's safe, and the spider kind of not retreats but just stops. Doesn't go in there. All right. So he barely makes a tour. Now he gets in there and Yinyer and Lissa have a little chat. Mm-hmm. She says that she's old. She makes many comments about her looks and how decrepit she looks. Mm-hmm. And he says, I still see you just the same as you were. And she says, <clears throat> and they talk about their, how they used to be in love. But his ambition caused him to leave her. And she was so angry. And she tells him that she had a son, his son. And he asks, where is my boy? And she says, I murdered him. <laughs> my rage against you was so great, so but he, had no outlet. So then he kicks a bitch down the stairs. So <laughs> I murdered him instead. And this is my punishment. And then she says, I know you can never forgive me. And he says, I cannot forgive myself. I have already forgiven you. And she's like, you can't possibly forgive me for this. This is the most horrific thing I've ever done in, my, in the history He's of like, the universe. And he Ooh. says, if I could not forgive you, then why? Then if I could not forgive you, then how would I not be able to see you as you were before? And she says, I wish to see, you know. Through your eyes. Through your eyes. And he gives her the gift of his vision. And she sees herself as young and beautiful when they first were in love. And she says, this is a great gift. And he says, you can give me the gift luggage. of your vision. You should give me luggage in return. <laughs> she asks him what she can see for him, and he says he wants to know 
the location of the Black Fortress. And she looks into the distance, doing her best Joey Trebbiani smell the fart acting. <laughs> and says, the Black Fortress will rise in the Iron Desert. But the knowledge is useless to him, for no man can leave the web alive. And he tells her the story of the kidnapped Lyssa and the young man who seeks her and their great love. And they were young. They are the ages that Ymir and this Lyssa were when they first fell in love. And he says, if you, and he says, if you do not help me leave this web, then that Lyssa will die. And um, her fate will be as horrible as yours. Apparently, Lyssa is a very ancient and powerful name. Who knew? <laughs> I really would have preferred her name to be something else. But she Blanche. decides... Blanche. I was pulled for Blanche. <laughs> her name is Blanche. Come on. Carly would have loved that shit. <laughs> but Lyssa takes... Or Estelle. Lyssa takes the hourglass and breaks it. It says, inside are the sands of my life. With these, the spider will not approach you. And gives him the sands. And he and she says, but once the sands are run run out, so too will your life. And he says, what of you? And she says, I give my life for the Lissa who bears my name. <laughs> and as they're ta- as they're chatting, he sees that the sands are running out of his hand, and he's like, I cannot stop them. And she's like, Go. You cannot stop time. All right. Now that go. is the guy broke the green gem earlier. Right. <laughs> All right. So he goes and climbs back out on the web. And the spider starts to come from again. But he holds up his hand and he lets out a little bit of the sand. And the spider stops. And he's able to escape. But as he leaves the cavern, we see that the spiders turn. And now they are attacking the widow of the web in her cocoon. And she will soon be killed by the crystal spiders. It's very upsetting. Mm. He comes down the mountain, and he, re- and he returns to the party, and he tells them where the Black Fortress will be. But the sands have run out, and he dies. His last words are to Corwin, as he says, use your power wisely. Do not squander it. And Corwin responds with, I learned of power from you, and I won't forget it. And then he dies. There's some really great death lines in this movie. Some last <laughs> words of wisdom. I enjoyed quite a few. <clears throat> Torquil, ever the voice of reason, says the Iron Desert Desert is a thousand leagues from here, which is way too far for them to travel in today. But real, those Cyclops comes back with the fu- the fire mares can travel a thousand leagues in a day. Mm-hmm. Look on the tribute in the trivia, and it said so they did the math, and it works out that they travel like 125 miles an hour or something like that. I did the math. It's oh. uh, 145 miles an hour. They can go 3,500 miles in 24 hours. <laughs> Fastest horse in real life went 43 miles an hour. <laughs> so they do 102 more than they do. Yeah, sweet. So, Pretty impressive. Well, well, you know, if a real horse was to go that fast, they also would catch fire. So <laughs> the party actually... And their heart would actually explode. Yeah. The party actually locates a herd of fire mares pretty quickly. They're that played- shit's amazing. We need these fire mares. Well, they're right there. They're amazing <laughs> is that they catch them. Yeah. yeah. Well, they have a cruising speed, and then there's, like, top speed. <laughs> they don't hit fifth gear. They idle at, like, yeah. 43 miles. This is a beautiful herd of Clydesdale horses that were trained for six months to be fire mares in this movie. And Budweiser was like, you know what? I like it. <laughs> so they capture them, and then uh, they all mount up. And uh, They yell regulators. 
The Cyclops says that he is staying here because it's his time to die. See your episode about young guns. Each to his fate. Mm -hmm. So they ride off without it, which is very... And Ergo is very sad, but Titch tells him that uh, it's his fate and he must accept it. And if he doesn't accept his fate, then his death will be horrible. (laughs) All right. So the regulators mount up and... These aren't getting geeks off the street, are they? No. <laughs> They're all handy with the steel? They are. You know what I mean. Yeah. They actually are pretty handy with the steel. All right. And, uh, and, and I'm standing uh, out holding it with tallywhackers. And the fire mares start to run. And they, in fact, run so fast that their feet catch on fire. And, in fact, they run so fast they can fucking fly. And when they're doing that, mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know what I'd be yelling? My biscuits are burning. <laughs> I don't know. A little, uh, what's his name? Yosemite Sam. But they reach the Black Fortress. And it's almost dawn. You can see it's starting to light up. In the, the sky. And so they must get inside before the twin suns rise or it will disappear. Which, what would happen if they were still on the outside and it disappeared? Would they fall 100 feet? Inquiring <laughs> <laughs> minds. So, but as. <laughs> and they, that's how the movie ends. <laughs> but as they climb the side of the fortress, the slayers attack. And they're pinned down. They're not going to make it. But what's that in the distance? Another fire mail. It's real, the Cyclops! <laughs> Come to save the day again. Here, mighty real to save the day. <laughs> okay. So, oh, man. but just, so our party is pinned down. My favorite characters now, Rel. <laughs> but Rune uh, bites the dust. And, and as he dies, one, another one, he says this, Jim. I was wrong. The journey was worth the while. Finish it. <laughs> Poor room. Oh, Bobby Coltrane. He's got, got some words right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Will arrives on the scene and appears to be laser proof as he leads the way. they keep shooting at him with their pistols. And it's hitting him. And he's fine. I know. Every it's time he gets him. shot, I'm like, oh, he died. Oh, wait. He doesn't die here. Wait. No. He got shot. No, he, he, got sh- he gets shot a couple of times, yeah. and he must be wearing the Black Panther suit because he's fucking he's bulletproof. The Cyclops has one eye and natural armor. Yeah. I guess. And the natural armor plus to be ten a gangster or something. In the background, he's just taking them. Yeah. But he kills the Slayer and then dramatically holds open the doorway as everybody else <laughs> does. Makes he it, hold the doorway open? <laughs> makes it into the fortress before dawn. Uh huh. And he doesn't quite make it, does? Then he is dramatically smooshed. He's no hoodoo. As, as the door shuts. He's over there. And it's crushing door. him. And they're Hold like, the door. they're like, there's still time. And he He's says, like, it is my time. And then swoosh. See, and the whole, that was bullshit. A much more painful death. He didn't feel a goddamn thing. He's like, there's a slight pressure. Dead. I don't know. You know what? I don't know how much getting smushed between two walls hurts. Why don't you try it and find out? <laughs> Report back. <laughs> Okay. Every night while you try to sleep. Oh, that's mean. I'll come and grab your feet. You don't know hey. you don't know how much that hurts. <gasps> that reminds me, did you have your gremlin's nightmare? No, she didn't. I did not. Broke the curse. All right, the so curse now, is lifted. They're in the fortress. And of course, they have no idea where they're going and they're constantly attacked by slayers. Um <clears throat> this is where poor Keegan bites the dust. He gets hit. He goes down. My traveling days are over. We'll get you back out there again. Mm-mm. Here's where I stay. Tell Meredith I loved her. And dramatically dies. Not any of the other wives. No. 
was Meredith. They were side pieces. She was real. She was the best one. She made a good stew. <laughs> then Ergo and Titch get separated. A crack opens up in the floor, and they fall down what looks like a really fun slide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reminded me of Flash Gordon. Yeah. Oh. Well, all these movies kind of look alike. Yeah. Where was Flash remember Gordon? When, remember when they slide down the thing? And yeah. You had to hold on. Yeah. See, that was one of seven. Corwin, Flash Gordon. Yeah. Corwin tries to rescue them. He saved everyone. But <laughs> the crack starts to <laughs> close again, and they track. lift him out just in the nick of time. He's he was America. almost smushed <laughs> like real. <laughs> but uh, Ergo and Titch get attacked by slayers so ergo turns into a tiger which, which is finally a good one the first time he's been helpful this whole movie <laughs> a goose i was like wait a minute he could do that <laughs> he's turned into a goose a puppy a pig and now a motherfucking tiger and you hear dun 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 and we see that the uh it was around the same time it came out are afraid of tigers yeah well who the fuck would be it's a motherfucking tiger like they don't even try to shoot him they're like whoa back away back away back to corwin and our party we have gotten we've made our way through the fortress to this bubble and corwin knows that it's finally time to unleash the glaive he throws it, and it cuts a hole in the fucking wall. Uh, she's, so, she's making it sound like this happened quickly. <laughs> it was the slowest thought ever. <laughs> it takes a while. I'm not going to lie. It took so long that at some point I was like, is she in there like looking at her watch? Like, is this ever going to happen? And here's my point where I'm like, how's this tertiary if you needed to, this saw to get in there? There's no other way they would have got in there. You could have hacked that thing with your fucking they sword all day long. They almost didn't get in there with the glaive. Yeah, so you needed the mystical saw glaive to get through. As this is happening, as he's mystically cutting through the opening, Torquil and the remaining merry men fall through the wall into this chamber full of spikes. Also, not to be rude, but can we hang on to that Cyclops' trident? You don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to kill s- s- uh, Slayers like it's going to stop. Yeah. It's a handy but, weapon. Um, <clears throat> oh, she lost place again. Corwin gets to listen. And they have a magical embrace. They have it's a the shared moment. Lissa shares all of her knowledge of the beast with Corwin and says that he's too powerful here in the center and that Corwin must fight him farther away from the, from the Black Fortress's core. But, so Corbin uses the glaive to collapse the ceiling on the beast? What? I thought he was using the glaive to try to do something that would cause the beast to have to move away from the center. Because she said, fight it away it's from very the center. Unclear. <laughs> it's very unclear why he shoots the glaive at the ceiling, where these rocks fall, what's happening. Something happens. Here. What I find important about that is that he could have done it without the what? <laughs> The glaive. What? Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, he could have done it without the glaive. Really? How? Was his bazooka? Well, he clearly has fire powers. Not yet. He don't. That's true. He doesn't yet. But he will any second. He doesn't, <laughs> get, he doesn't get his power meter up to do the Hadouken. Like, he'll get his Hadouken powers later, but he doesn't have them now, so he needs well, a lot no. of Okay, so let me... T- so Corwin starts to fight the beast. As Corwin is fighting the beast, we see Torquil and the guys are in a chamber. And the one of the Those guys... Secrets. Is tr- sees an opening and tries to leave, but this causes spikes to shoot out from the walls, and so now they're trapped in a chamber of moving spikes and about to be impaled. And those spikes are a little shaky as they're coming through. Like they so, can just kind of move those, I bet. Corwin, <laughs> using the glaive, controlling it the same way that Mary Poppins y'all controls his mighty arrows, mm. <laughs> um, strikes down the beast. He tries to call the glaive back to him, but it is stuck inside the beast. It's not whistling. It'd be a lot cooler if he did. 
<laughs> yeah, but he uses, like, Yandu controls the arrow is. with his heart. <laughs> so does Corwin control the glaive. But he gets stuck in the, in the beast. beast's hide. And he thinks the beast is dead. So he goes to retrieve the glaive. Always double tap. But the beast arises <laughs> and slaps his hand over it like, you will not. Like, that's so my glaive now, bitch. Corwin and Lissa run. And Corwin says he cannot fight the beast without the glaive. But Lissa is very intelligent and says, the power isn't in the glaive. It's you, Corwin. It's in you, Lone Star. You have the power. It's in you. And then he says, it's not me, it's us. And she calls to her the magic flames of marriage. (laughs) (laughs) I thought thought he had herpes. (laughs) The burning sensation. The magic flames of marriage. And presents to him. And she says, this fire I give to my husband. And he takes it and he says from... I don't remember the exact line. But he can only received a while, the fire from his wife. Right. But he takes it and completes the marriage ceremony. And then he is the We're power gonna down of later. love. <laughs> and she was so unique. It's a curious thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I really thought about <laughs> it. <laughs> but no, I did not. Ah. Um, and then oh, what he a uses, feeling. That's the power of love. He uses the mystical magical marriage flames and to fight the beast. And you don't need money. <laughs> And the beast is burned to death. We need no credit card to use this flame. No. And I bet it smells real bad. Because that thing was ugly. Mm-hmm. How do you know it smell like bacon? I don't, it didn't look You know like what bacon, bacon is? It, it's, it's fried pig, so what do you, it might have had the height of a that pig. That was not like a pig, that looked more like a creature you, from the Black Lagoon. How do you I know? I bet it was a burnt fish smell. You never really got a good look at it. It could have smelled like fucking turkey burgers for all you know. <laughs> turkey burgers are gross. <laughs> at some point, when he's fighting oh. the beast, I said, does the beast have like big red lips? And Tony goes, it kind of looks like it. But then when he gets hit or when he dies and it's we see... It, like, it's all his gums. <laughs> he looks like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Does. <laughs> all right. So, then... Blah, 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 it doesn't blah, have nards. The beast is burned to death. He wants to have a baby with her. So. So and got Corwin... A... Ew, beast got nards. <laughs> Corwin and Lissa, they triumph, and they go to find the others. And as... I'm sorry, he's not going to have a baby with her in his current form, because that's not going to fit. No, well, he said he could take any form she wanted. Yeah, well, he's going to e- ego the planet her. Yeah. Mm. So Corwin and Lissa go to find the others as the Black Fortress starts to collapse around them. First, they find Torquil. And then they find traces of, they find Ergo's blood, which they, I guess they assume it's Ergo's blood because none of the Slayers have left behind any blood. They just sink into the of ground. Them bleeding. Because we're like, how do you know it's Ergo? Like, oh, it's Ergo. <laughs> And Torkoal is like leaving. A couple of times, Torkoal have just done some really shitty things. You can tell why he was a criminal. Because he does not think like a hero. He's like, just fucking leave him. And Corwin is like, if there's even a chance, we have to find him. And we see that Titch is sitting on the ground. And poor uh, wounded tiger Ergo is in his lap. And Titch vows not to leave him. And starts shaking his bells <laughs> on his staff. And, and Corwin, like, he got hit in, like, the leg. The He's yeah. not dying. <laughs> Maybe it hit a vein. <laughs> this man can't handle pain. No, he can't. That's true. But, he, man. Broken nail. But, <laughs> but the party hears the bells, and they find them. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Ergo has turned back into a man. I guess he's 
so wounded that he cannot no longer maintain his tiger form. I always thought that his animal form had like a time limit on it. So it might. Round per our party is all together now. <laughs> they lift up Ergo and he kind of, he seems semi-conscious because they start to run back the way the party has already traveled as everything is falling behind them. They barely make it over a bridge before it collapses. And they stop to watch it. And we're like, why? Why are you stopping? Keep moving, motherfucker. Cool guys don't look at explosions. They get to where they came in, and Corwin again uses the power of love to blast them and exit. And I said, did he just cremate his friend? (laughs) I don't know. We didn't see any blood or anything from that Cyclops. But now we just torched a hole right where and the now when, was. and they show like the the side of the building here <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's right in the middle and you're like and you expect like a big explosion to come out and it comes out like the bottom corner of the screen you're like oh i thought that'd be in the front mm-hmm. <laughs> you know where you could see it but no you but, can see the fire shooting out the side of the mountain yeah a little bit all they right still so back right there that's the fire they climb out and then the 80s i guess they climb out and climb down the mountain and into a convenient and now they're moving faster than the fire mares. Because <laughs> that was the thing. I was like, dude, this place is like about to fall down. Like it's about but to fall down. It doesn't they gotta collapse. climb all the way down. No, and then they gotta run it does, it, it, There's a burst of sparkles ascends. that come out of a, the beast's eye. And then there's fireworks. <laughs> well, and it ascends. And the whole planet just expels the black fortress and says, get your evil out. It looks like Peck turned off the containment grid is what it yeah, looks it does. like. All the fucking it definitely does. out. Which is funny because Paramount makes Ghostbusters the very next year. Mm-hmm. Same wow. production company. Use a couple of those. Uh, is it true? Fix again. Is that true? It's true. Yeah, this man has no dick. dick. Mm-hmm. But by the time, like it, in hunks starts to yeah. ascend, and they've made it off of there and like to a field. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they made it off of the fortress and into a very lovely field of wildflowers so where they, they watch, watch. Where they watch it come out. Then. Ergo starts to come back to himself, and he spots Lissa, and he says, you are his queen. She says, yes. And he goes, then we won. Yes. And then he says, I should have stuck to puppies. Puppies would have been helpful. Yeah, that was a bad line. He's going to die. Corwin takes out the key, tosses it to Torquil, and says, I I don't think you need these anymore. And uh, he takes off his manacles, and he tries to give the key back, and Corwin's like, keep it. And he goes... Only the king and his lord marshal. No, have. he doesn't take him off. He says, I think I'll keep him. Remind me of the of this trip oh. or some shit. Oh, that's right. And he says, you can keep the key, too. And he says, only the king and his lord marshal have this key. And Corrin smiles at him. Gives him that old Corwin. That's you, dude. Grin, and they start to laugh. Because mm-hmm. now the robber king is his... The Prince of Thieves is now his Lord Marshal. Oh, Marshall. shit. <laughs> now they have the long swap. And the prophecy is fulfilled. And I was like, yeah, how are they going to get back home? Like, this a, is a long fucking walk. A queen of ancient names shall choose a king and together rule our world. And, and their son, all... the galaxy, the end. Do well, you know what? The, you know why never they might just build they died a new castle right here. They might as well. <laughs> Honestly, so when they entered the fortress, it was in the Iron Desert. But it moved. And now it's in this field. Maybe this field is like three feet from where Corwin lived. Wow. Because we saw Alyssa's castle, but where was Corwin's yeah, castle? That's true. Maybe it's right it over move. the rise. Yeah. So we don't know. Could be close by. Anyways, that is Kroll. The epic adventure that is Kroll. It's not an epic. <laughs> We're going to start with... It's a fantasy epic. <laughs> We're going to start with Tony. All right. Gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and Ricky. Oh, this is Kroll. My bad. Rock and Ricky's my favorite character. <laughs> Kroll. Favorite character? Cyclops. Least favorite character? The editor. 
This movie <laughs> oh, man, this is made two hours so and one minute long. And there's plenty of times I watch this movie, I'm like, you can cut that out. You can cut that out. You can cut that out. You can cut 30 seconds out. You could have cut that fucking minute off. You're just being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, when he's cutting through with the thing. Yeah. With their, like, yeah, that could have been. Two hours <laughs> and one minute. Like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> now, if I had to pick a character that was in the movie, it would be uh, Oswin, the Neanderthal boy. I don't know what's going on with his forehead, but it, it's scary. What? Okay. Who are you talking the about? The little crazy, the one of the thieves, Oswin. I don't oh, know. Okay. The first one to say I'll go with okay. you. The yeah, first one. He, he has a very protruding brow. He was a British soap opera actor. <laughs> yeah. He also did Geico commercials about cavemen, I guess. <laughs> um, let's see. My favorite line I have on my phone. So I'm going to draw out my sentences. Or you could just tell us your favorite scene while you look for it. <laughs> yeah, it's right here. If I had, it's uh, the Cyclopses, but Ergo says, if I had my wish, it'd be out of this gloomy place right away. Um, and then Titch said, I'd wish for a puppy. He goes, one puppy? If you're wishing, why not wish for a hundred? He goes, I only want one. He goes, well, that's a, that's a foolish wish. What would you wish for, Rel? This is ignorance. I was like, I like that. I thought that was cool. Because <laughs> he doesn't want to know that he's going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite scene is the fire mares. I don't know why, but I always liked them. And I liked them when I was a little kid. My favorite tertiary object is the weird wizard stick with the bells on it, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what you call that. Um, what else? That's it. Uh, I will maybe this movie. I've liked it ever since I was a little kid. It's really slow, and there's a lot of... We're going to walk for this scene, but I'll maybe it. Okay. John? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm sure you are. <laughs> My favorite character is the Beast, because um, he's the one who's cool and has like actual stuff, powers and things. Mm-hmm. Um, You're my, not calling the fires of love a power? Yeah, my, it's my turn. You be quiet. No. <laughs> um, my least favorite character is Aragon, Ergo, because he's just fucking annoying and has a really cool power. He can turn into a tiger and doesn't do it to the last fucking second. Mm-hmm. Like, that could have been useful. You can turn into a... He could have turned into a giant fucking bird that could have flew there. Could turn into the Beast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he probably my, doesn't have a spell that I turns know, into the beast. My favorite, tersh, uh, my favorite line is also Ergo, who's like, "Are you the queen?" Yes. So then we won, mm-hmm. and then he blows it by saying, "I should have been a puppy," mm-hmm. but I liked it up until that point, so we'll just cut it right there. Okay. So we won. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite scene is a toughie. I, I tell you, I'm trying to narrow it down. We'll get back to that. Uh, my favorite tertiary object is a giant fucking spider. Because mm-hmm. anytime there's a giant spider or a tape, that's Crystal. what I pick. Yeah. <laughs> and we're back to the favorite scene again. Uh, the credits. Because I don't like this movie. It was. If you're looking for this kind of science fiction fantasy genre, watch Willow. Or anything. There's a lot of other things. Maybe not Beastmaster, but... <laughs> Lots of other movies around this time did it better, so watch those. I didn't like it. Kind of long, and why does every time you get somewhere, you have to go in alone? <laughs> Just once, I'd like them to get somewhere and be like, all right, let's go in. Yeah, all of us. We, we At can the all, fortress. Yeah, we can all. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, moving right along. Carly. Oh, right. Don't like her movies. <laughs> My favorite character was Yin Yir. Was <laughs> who? Yin Yir. Okay. Mjolnir wasn't in this. Yin Yir? The old one. Ah, the old one. Go. Yeah, I like it. My least favorite character was Lissa because she didn't do anything and it bothered me. I understand which it one? wasn't her fault. Yeah, which one? There's two. The, 
the princess. Oh, there you go. Because there's less of the witch. The widow actually did things. <laughs> no, she, she sat in a chair and turned over a fucking hourglass. She found the black fortress. She did, and then she gave up her life. <laughs> and she had the sand. She was. She did so. She had a tertiary Princess Lissa looked like she could do some stuff, but she didn't fucking do anything. Underutilized character, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was her fault. It no, was. Of not. It was the time, it, and it was the movie, and it you know was the writer and the, the remake and make her better. Yeah, that son of a bitch. <laughs> that son um, of a bitch. My favorite line was when Ergo met Titch. And they had that, my name is Ergo, blah, 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 blah. And Titch is like, I'm just Titch. And he says that it was adequate. It's <laughs> a good line. I like that. Uh, my favorite scene is when they get into the fortress and the Cyclops has come and held the door open. And then they're trying to keep him from getting smushed and he gets smushed. And then dude does this weird forward roll. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then it takes like a full minute to stand up from his forward Because <laughs> you thought he was going to do something awesome. And you're like, oh, look at him dodging the... But then yeah. he took so long to it stand It looks like up. an outtake. Because there's lasers coming and he does this forward roll and you're like, damn. Like he dives and rolls. But then he kind of falls over and stands up. <laughs> And you're like, dude, it, that would have worked, but the second half of it takes twice and as long as you just run across. You should have cut that out and made it look like an yeah. awesome thing. Oh, no, he's he not cutting anything. In. They should have just left it in the roll, and then the next moment, him attacking. Yeah, maybe they forgot to hire an editor. Yeah. Maybe. But it was so funny. <laughs> My favorite tertiary object, I wrote the special effects. The special, well, okay. Specifically, <laughs> the fire... On like the horse's feet <laughs> coming out of his hand was wonderful. <laughs> I also loved the discs like shooting out of the beast. <laughs> I very much enjoyed the special effects because they did not disappoint. I was looking forward to some hilariously bad ones and yeah. I got them. <laughs> You're right. This movie doesn't disappoint. <laughs> I got them. I will maybay this movie. All right. I didn't like it as much as I liked Red Sonja. I think because it was so long. It was slower and long. So I didn't extra, realize it was that long minute. either. And they could have made it a cool hour and 40 minutes. And there was no shillelagh. More excitement and less drawn out. <laughs> when I looked at the runtime, no I was surprised ruffians. because I'm like, I thought this movie was like an hour and a half. An hour and a half would have been great. I would have, I would have yayed this movie if it was only an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, hour and a half, I'd give it a. But it it lost my attention middle. a few times because it was so slow. In the beginning, so, it's, right. that's it that's my critique. Okay, so my favorite character is Rill, the Cyclops. He's just pretty awesome and badass this whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my least favorite character is Torquil. He just bothers me. Because he's obviously a thief and a killer and a murderer, and he's leading these bands of thieves, and then all of a sudden he just follows this king, but the whole time he's still a, a fucking thief, and I just, I don't like him. I don't like that he gets to be Lord Marshall in the end just because he's the only one that well, lives. He lives, yeah. Yeah, no, it's just not fair. Um, my favorite. What qualifications does he have to be Lord Marshall? <laughs> what qualifications does this fucker have he to be king? fought for the king. Yeah, oh. see, that's what happens in societies when they Although, fail. Although, <laughs> my favorite line is by him, and it's freedom, we have it, and fame, nah, it's an empty purse, count it, go broke, eat it, go hungry, secret, go mad, because it's just, it's really good. I did like when they stole the emeralds from the emerald uh, mm-hmm. cave or whatever yeah, it was. they turned into rocks. And they turned into rocks. <laughs> and they start fighting with them. Yeah. I do, and then the wizard laughs. He's like, hmm. I do like a lot, I do think there's some good dialogue in this movie. 
and you you have to but you have to pay attention to catch it mm-hmm. like if you get too lulled by the longness of the movie you don't really catch it like all the death lines are really great i just i just enjoy it. my favorite scene is the first appearance of ergo the magnificent i like how he falls into the pond and he turns himself into a goose i just think it's really funny i've always enjoyed that part my favorite tertiary object is the fire mares because <laughs> it's just awesome everybody wants a horse that runs so fast it catches things on fire Mm. I do think that the glaive is also a tertiary object because the only thing that the glaive did was break down the me- break into her prison because he it couldn't actually kill the beast. It wasn't powerful enough. They needed the power of love. And perhaps if he had touched the wall from the outside and she had touched the wall from the inside, perhaps it would have just opened. They didn't even try it. Maybe if they said open sesame, it would have been a, it's a curious thing. But this movie is really good, and I give it a yay because it's... <laughs> enjoyable and when you watch it you have a good time okay there we go all right right. so So, carly please find us on facebook.com slash the underappreciated movie podcast we posted something in there today about um or last week from people who are in movies oh yeah that was pretty funny Hey, I'm an actor. Nikki shared that with us. I'm a professor in a movie and the random tropes so we (laughs) thought it was enjoyable um Please find us on Instagram at unmoviepodcastdogs and on Twitter at unmoviepodcast. You can email unmoviepodcast at gmail.com and uh, listen to all our previous episodes and invite your friends too as well. Or tell three friends and have them tell three friends. Next time. On the podcast. Is John's pick. I'm going a different way. I know you say an action adventure, but we're going to have our first satire movie of the podcast. This is 1984's classic, because we're going sequential. This is 83, I'm going to be 84. Okay. So whoever's after me, Tony, 85. All right. I'm going to do that. Awesome. Michael Keaton's Johnny Dangerously. I know you haven't seen it. This is our first satire? Yeah. I don't feel like it is. <laughs> well, the satire, was a, satire is very specific, where it's actively making fun of something instead of being unintentionally stupid. I don't know. We'll go back and think about it. I will. I would. I would look at uh, all the list of our previous episodes, but I don't want to do anything to mess maybe. up this wonderful music we're listening to. You know the what? Theme Water of Waterworld maybe was satire because that was trying to be a good movie, and it was like no. Which I don't. What other satire? You're movie? hurtful. I and you like Waterworld. <laughs> or maybe Jason X was a satire of horror movies because oh, that was, was serious. Oh, I think it might have been. It was, it was a, a serious satire film. of porn. Satire of porn. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you agree with my reviewer who said that it was stupid, but it had a cool spider? That's pretty much. He stole your review. Giant fucking spider. You do appreciate a good spider in a movie.